There we go, that was it. Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Today on the show, I've got uh, the wonderful uh, burlesque performer who um, I met in a pretty unique way, which we will get into. Um, but they, uh, they perform under the stage name Parker Peacock. And uh, they were in Seattle for four years, originally from here. Um, and uh, I'm excited to talk to them a little bit about their journey, their artistry, and why they do what they do. So, Casey Kitzman, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. <laughs> um, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's a pretty good day. Was it? What did you do? I did uh, an online class for my day job. Um, nice. So, that was great. I went to the gym. Uh, went and had some laser hair removal done on my face, okay. and now we're here. So, very nice. Uh, <laughs> eventful day. Yeah, uh, I'm good for you getting out of the house into the snow. It wasn't my first choice, but... <laughs> right. Yeah, I haven't left the house at all today other than when I had to take the trash out uh, about an hour ago, and that was already too much. I just... I. That, it's cold out there. Oh, it was... Wisconsin. Wisconsin November day. Yeah, it was so trash. God. Uh, so I've been cooped up in here for most of the day. But it's been a great day, and I'm ready to drink. Um, so what we have here are uh, cosmopolitan <laughs> cocktails. Um, I've never actually had this before. Really? Yeah. Well, it's... I'm not a... I suppose you it you makes know sense. me. It makes you sense. Know me. You're a beer guy. It makes sense. Yeah, like, I don't drink things like these, but uh, I'm excited to do. Uh, it's, an, it's different to me, so. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. Okay. That's fruity. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I fuck with that. How'd you get onto these? Um, well, it was actually my first legal drink was a Cosmopolitan, um, and I love Sex and the City, and Carrie Bradshaw is oh just God. a wonderful lady, and that's her drink of choice, so. And it's it's fruity and full of vodka, so I don't know what else I need. <laughs> but that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know what else I need either. Yeah, <laughs> fruity and full of vodka right now. That sounds right. Damn. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. You would you probably get along with my mom and my sister pretty well. They it's, love Sex and the City. It's a good show. I've seen it at least six times all the way oh through. I think. Nice. It's just one of those that like plays on a loop in the background, you know. Are you also into Grey's Anatomy? Of course. That's also like they they love Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> my sister and my mom love a lot of like the same shows. Mm -hmm. They loved Glee. I did in the, in its time. Yeah, I <laughs> now I recognize it. See, it's um, it was an interesting time. Yeah, well, that was like I feel like Glee like died out. Mm. Like no one talks. Rightfully about it. so. <laughs> Why is that? I don't. I don't know. I think Glee has had like a an important place in its time, as I think, like before its time, there was not a show that that recognized like musicals and um, and really just like its its genre of kind of a musical esque show um, didn't really exist, and I think it kind of gave space for more shows like that to exist. Mm -hmm. So I think for that reason, it's cool. Um, but it was also just like really a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah, I just remember getting really annoyed by all like the the, yeah. like, the incidental music that would happen, and I would be like, it, "God damn it, mom! Like turn that shit off." It, yeah, it had its time. I'm glad it's done. <laughs> sure, yeah. It served its purpose. Yeah, but clearly, Sex in the City and Great Anatomy uh, have a lot more uh, yes lasting impact. It's true. Apparently, yeah. Um, well, hey, there you go. Uh, I'm I'm here for it. Uh, yeah. As you know, I'm a, you know, hams is what yes. would normally be on this table if I had gotten alcohol today, but you got it. Uh, so uh, I I, I love when that I like when the guest picks the drink. I don't because I've been kind of like more conservative with money lately. Like I've kind of just been getting my beer right. and then like offer it to the guest on the show yeah and either that or we'll drink water or whatever yeah. or they'll bring something of their own but like for a while i was buying like 
whatever the guests wanted, but then that I'm like, expensive. It's, yeah, I was broke like all the well, time. Well, I always have the ingredients for Cosmopolitan, that's so oh, that's useful. they're always on hand. Mm-hmm. So what we talk about on uh, Mr. Nice Guy, Casey, we talk uh, love and fear, passion, and creativity. So we met on Tinder. It's uh, true. We did meet on Tinder. I recently I saw that you uh, recently got rid of your app. I did. As did I. I uh, not necessary. No, it was it was time to go. I I've gone through phases of it. Like for a while, I was like super into like dating apps, and then for like eight nine months, I was very anti them. Mm-hmm. And then this past August, I'm like, you know, fuck it. So. Download it again. But hey, it was worth it because yeah. we met through it. It's true. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, um, I got off that shit recently too. Yeah, it's a love hate relationship. Too stressful. <laughs> yeah, too stressful. Uh, we've yeah. grown to uh, become friends. Mm-hmm. You've come to some shows with me yes. over at uh, Cactus Club. We were yes. just at the one on Friday. Mm-hmm. Bremen as well. And uh, you've been a fun uh, person to bring along. Shout, shout out to <laughs> Salem, our good yes, friend. Yes, we love them. Yeah, like um, this whole year, like Salem was like my show buddy. Yeah, like I'm like hitting them up every week, like, yo, I got to show this, this, and this night. Which one are you coming? Yeah, with? when are you coming? Yeah, yeah. So, but I, it's handy because you live down there. So yes. Then you can like. It's right know, by work too. Exactly. Yeah. Zoom on over. Exactly. From. <laughs> so. so um, yeah, I was interested in hearing about like how so you went to school in for theater mm-hmm. uh, over at Cornish College in Seattle. Yes, you're originally from Cudahy. Um So, yeah, I guess we'll start there. What um what made you uh, decide on Cornish and going out to Seattle? I decided I wanted to go to Cornish when I was like 12 years old. Um, <laughs> I was like set on it. Um, you went into high school knowing yeah. exactly where you go. I did. <laughs> I didn't even. I applied to a few other places, but I only actually auditioned at Cornish. Okay, sure. Um, I had like applied to a couple others as backups, but I didn't audition anywhere else. Um, I did a Christmas Carol with the Milwaukee Rep growing up uh, for eight years, and they have a really great internship program um, called the Emerging Artist Program. Um, and a lot of I was meeting a lot of Cornish alum that were like doing the doing the shows and doing that program. Um, why weren't they doing Hanukkah carols? Huh? Why? That is where a the valid. F- why aren't we doing Hanukkah carols? It's a valid Milwaukee question. Rep? No, I'm, I'm um, really no, I was actually just thinking about that. I was like <laughs> thinking about. I saw Hamilton yesterday, and it was. I was like, this is probably the last show I will see for the next like two months that isn't about Christmas, mm-hmm. which like it's really tiring. <laughs> just like I not, don't get me wrong, I love Christmas, but yeah. it's just like it's so oversaturated yeah. and it's all we see I saw a, an article actually that got shared um, where it was like a psychologist said that Christmas music has been linked with like making people depressed I, I believe it yeah. I cannot st- I cannot stand it until at least December yeah and working retail it's playing oh, yeah. a lot god, already yeah. oh my god yeah it's like um, it's like when you hear more than a feeling by Boston in the grocery store yeah it's all it fucking plays yeah it's true um yeah. no yeah but so I yeah I decided on Cornish very early on just because I was meeting a lot of really cool actors that I really respected um I just thought were really cool and I had like it was kind of like the one consistent school that every year someone was like yeah I went to Cornish so I was just hearing about it a lot um and so yeah I just kind of set my sights on it very early mm-hmm. and it worked out awesome <laughs> so, nice uh, was it so was it like easy to become uh, acclimated to yes and no um it so Cornish is a little it's it's not a conservatory program but it's kind of set up in that way that um there, I didn't really have a lot of, like, gen eds, as I guess, like, most schools would call them. Mm-hmm. I had humanities and science classes that, like, kind of counted as that. Um, but you only had one a semester, and everything else was, like, a theater-based class. Sure, okay. Um, so you were, like, pretty much, like, 9 a.m. until 6, you were in class, like, in a dance class or a movement class or an acting class and a scene study kind of a thing. Um, so it was really intensive, which um, was an interesting thing to get used to. I enjoyed it a lot. It was just, like, grueling. <laughs> um, but as the four years progressed, I did I did acclimate to it. Um, and it definitely was not... 
everything that it was cracked up to be. Like, I, I love Cornish, and it is a great school, um, but there is a lot about the program that wasn't necessarily what I wanted and the, what my peers wanted. It was um, the musical theater program specifically, which is what I was a part of, was very new. Um, so it had a lot of kinks. Oh, <laughs> um, so it was kind of like every year we had to like battle the administration to be like, these are the kinds of classes that we need and you're not giving them to us. And if this is going to be a musical theater program that is worth it and has any credibility, like these are the kind of classes we need to be in. And it was just really hard to fight that. Like it was, it got really tiring. Like semester after semester, being like, "Can I please have more than one dance class a week?" Like for the love of God. <laughs> um, so that um, kind of thing was difficult, as well as the acting track and the original works, which is like playwriting tracks, are the other two tracks within the theater program at Cornish, and those two have been around forever. So they're very well loved, and kind of held to like a higher standard. And then musical theater as a genre was kind of like looked down upon by a lot of other people. So that was kind of something that was constantly like, hey, my field is just as valid as yours. Uh, yeah. Kind of a, a fight that we had to go through constantly as well. Um, but I will say as it was con a constant fight, it was also like I did learn a lot about like speaking up for myself and like what I need as a student and as an actor and like just having the... Um, like, learning to have a voice in that way was mm -hmm. kind of a cool way to look at it, possibly, yeah, I guess. Yeah, totally. What, tell me about Seattle. You've told me some about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, tell me about, like, the culture of Seattle. It is, like, the queerest little bubble that I have ever been in. <laughs> nice. Which is lovely. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it, was, it was a really kind of a culture shock, almost, to, like, get there and realize, like, and I was, like, fresh out of the closet at that point. Like, I'd only been out for, like, six months when I moved to Seattle. And so it was kind of, like, a really... It was, like, a nice culture shock to be, like, oh, hey, I can, like, do whatever I want, really. Like, mm -hmm. I'm free to be me. I'm free to wear what I want. I'm free to put makeup on and explore in that way. Um, so that was a really cool thing. Um, but, yeah, it's just... It's a really rich city in the arts. Um, there's always a show to go to, there's always music, there's always a new play or a new reading that you can go to. Um, so that was a really cool um, experience as well, to just kind of be suddenly so immersed in um, the arts and theater in a way that I hadn't necessarily been in in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I want to go. <laughs> you I really want to go, yeah. Yes. If I go, I'm gonna like hit you up and be like what am I doing here what, what, what do I gotta do while I'm yeah. here you know but yeah um, I had a friend from home that uh, went to school in Seattle um, and they they didn't like it as much as you did okay. I guess like they thought it was um, they thought it was pretentious uh, I yeah I can see it uh, yeah yeah I mean which I get, like, yeah. you know, there is, like, um, when it comes to things that, when it comes to cities that people, that young people like to flock to, mm -hmm. um, or cities that, you know, people have kind of, like, idealized, mm -hmm. there can come with pretenses within that way where it's, like, this is in and this isn't. Yeah. Um, Milwaukee, I like to think is kind of a, a well-kept secret in in the Midwest like I would agree I mean there are there are pretentious people here yes. but <laughs> there's not but at the same time like I have this theory that the drinking culture really helps with that mm -hmm. where it's like they don't really give a fuck like what you're into or like what you what you enjoy to do like on the weekends or like where you like to go, like, people kind of, people are very accepting here, um, which I, I do admire a lot about that. I mean, there's still a lot of segregation, mm -hmm. uh, that's a huge issue here, um, which prevents nearly as much interaction between scenes, but, but yeah, like, I don't know, I, I mean, you'll get, you'll get egos in every scene. Yeah, Seattle definitely has its flaws, I mean... Jeff Bezos has taken it over. <laughs> like, it is Amazon Central. There are, like... There's this, like, weird... Um... Like, subcategory of, like... Tech nerds 
who are like suddenly very well off because of Amazon. Oh yeah. So like it's this like group of like 30 something men who in college like didn't really get the time of day of women and now they're like, "Well, I have money." And now I get to like live this frat boy life. Like I, I, I toured an apartment for a friend who, it was like this luxury condo, but felt like a frat house. Like the guy giving the tour was like, yo, we have keggers out here all the time. And it was like, but this is a luxury condo. It sounds like a big. It's it's, it's, it's really weird. It sounds like a Big Ten school. Yeah, it's like <laughs> just like kind of a weird culture in that way. So yeah, there's definitely. I just was very immersed in the queer side of Seattle, but there is yeah. definitely that, like, crappy side yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure. I guess, um, yeah, it depends on where you hang yeah, out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, like, frequented the gay bars, the gay clubs, um, and most of my classmates were queer. A lot of my faculty was queer. So it was just, like, I was mostly around queer people, so that is kind of the story of Seattle that I have experienced sure. personally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Fratty tech guys. Yeah, I, it's I, that's, just, a, that's like a, weird a weird thing. It's a weird brand. Of it's man. a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So and coming back to Milwaukee because I know you graduated this year. So like, um, have you found a, a connection with like the the queer slash gay scene here? Not a lot just yet. Um, Salem is one of the first like non-binary people I've met in this. Actually, I think the only non-binary person I've met really? in the city. Um, I don't go out a lot, so yeah, I okay. I don't I haven't really experienced it. Um, Mad Planet would be like the only place that I've been to that I would say like feels queer. <laughs> um, but yeah, I haven't just yet. I want to experience more of it though. I think growing up here but not being 21, like, mm -hmm. I didn't experience a lot of it, and I think there is a lot of it, it's just because I've only been back for, what, like, three months now, mm -hmm. um, I just haven't experienced and explored it fully yet, um, but I hope to. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, and it definitely is, like, uh, it definitely has, like, a really uh, passionate and... Uh, um, vibrant presence here. I mean, Pride Fest is huge. Yeah. Here. Oh, I've been to Pride a couple times um, oh, here. Yeah. Um, but that's that's really other than that and like, yeah, being to Mad Planet. Um, I went to I think it's back to call, being called Lacage now. Oh, it was yeah. LVL for a while or something. Well, I'm, I imagine you heard about the controversy. I did actually. I heard about it from you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Um, ex, <laughs> ex thing. Um, but. And like I've been to Hamburger Mary's a handful of times. But I love Hamburger it, yeah, Mary's. Yeah, who doesn't? I it's went amazing. to Hamburger Mary's with my friend Taylor when she was in town like a year ago, or a year ago around this time actually. And uh, she, I was like her one. Like, it was like me and like ten girls. I was the only guy, and and like I remember like they kept making so many like suggestive remarks like about me and Taylor it's like oh is that your boyfriend is that your boyfriend I'm like no no we're, we're just uh we're just great friends you know but it was uh it was flattering uh the food was good yeah I uh, love just I just love like anywhere like that yeah it just is so fun and vibrant doesn't give a fuck about like you know like societal norms as yeah. long as you're just having a good time being respectful of others just like just really being openly what you identify as yeah. like that nothing makes me happier yeah yeah um i actually i think my 20th birthday i was home for like spring break or something and me and a couple of friends went to hamburger mary's for the drag show um and they like had everyone whose birthday it was come up on stage and they asked how old everyone else was, and I was like, I'm turning 20, and then they, like, passed out shots, and I was like, not sure if you heard me, but... <laughs> I actually went to the, the Pride Parade in Chicago mm. when I was in high school. Um, that was, like, kind of my first exposure to, to like, queer culture that mm -hmm. I had ever, like, actually, like, gone out and experienced, and, yeah, I mean, it's just, like... Why can't, like, every day be this happy and this much fun? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, why can't every single day be, like, you know, hopefully, I hope that our society evolves into a, into a 
a, a friendly enough climate to where like the the joy and the inclusivity, the acceptance, the you know just the the respect of of identification, where that can just be like an everyday thing that can just be celebrated every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I just really hope in our lifetime we evolve into a society where it's just like you know we can just celebrate each other for our identities like every day. You know. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I remember my first, my first Pride was in Milwaukee. Um, I went with my best friend, Kara, and I remember just, like, being so... I think I mean, I think it was the summer after I graduated from high school, so I hadn't yet moved to Seattle. Um, and I just remember being, like, amazed at, like, the freedom that I felt. And, like, I had never felt that before and was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I want this all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. It's like... People call... I remember I went to Pride last year. Um, I sadly didn't make it to Pride this year, but I went last year, and I remember like thinking, like, you know, they call Disney World the happiest place no. on earth. <laughs> no, Pride, Pride, Pride is actually Pride Fest the is the happiest place on earth. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's people being themselves and being like unabashedly proud of of everything about them. There's like zero shame. There's zero. It's just like you see people from all walks of life just being free to be who they are and I don't know that's that's just like really special and you don't you don't see that yeah I know like I think there's a lot of like cultural segregation Mm -hmm. in that way where it's like you know a lot of people that identify in the queer community especially here like in Milwaukee a lot of them congregate together yeah it's like their spaces you know places where you know, they they like to be around like like minded mm-hmm. or like identified folk where it's like they feel safe and you know, they feel protected and and that's great and it's but it's like a lot of my friends back home, um, as well as like a lot of my really good friends here in Milwaukee, like when I came to school, we're all cishet white men, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like we're all like uh I, I like to think I'm friends with a lot of uh accepting and respectful people but it's like we all hang out with each other you You know know, we have so much work to do on this but with like the normalization Mm -hmm. but i'm excited to see it more and more realized um you know we can only work from the ground up as individuals and helping that happen, but like no one should be othered for it, you know? Yeah. There's still a lot of that. Yeah, I think I think the othering of queer people I mean, the othering of anyone who is outside of the the norm yeah. is a huge problem um, yeah. in our culture right now. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, for sure. So... So, tell me about uh, getting into burlesque. Yeah, so Cornish offers a class called Neo-Burlesque Theory and Performance. Um, the first six weeks of the class are kind of lecture-based, um, and you learn the, the history of burlesque, which is, like, super rich and interesting. And, um, I mean, it, it goes back to, the, like, the, the British Blondes, I believe, was, like, kind of the original burlesque group. And then it like went on through vaudeville and minstrel shows were a part of burlesque at a time. And there was a period of time where burlesque was kind of um, just kind of considered like a parody. Like, um, and there was a period of time where burlesque was um, during prohibition. Um, the argument had been made like, well, how come we can't like take our clothes off on stage, but you can go to an art museum and see a painting of a nude person. Like why, why is that? Because burlesque performers were getting arrested. Um, and so there was a period of time where burlesque was, you would go and it would be like a tableau, basically a live painting. Um, so you would like go and look at this like paint, like live painting of, um, naked people and the curtain would close and they would change tableaus and they would open up. And so it's been a lot of different things and neo-burlesque is kind of this newer wave and it, I mean it's really all-encompassing like it can be literally anything and there's so many sub-genres you know you have um gore-lesque and queer-lesque and there's all these different versions and it's it essentially boils down to like it's 
it's anything that makes you feel good, like essentially. And it's just like, it's, it's loving your body without shame and putting your body on stage in a way that is like, hey, I'm really proud of my body and my existence. And I think that's sexy and I think that's hot. And if you enjoy that, great, cheer for me. And that's kind of um, what it is now. And I um, took the class my junior year, the second semester of my junior year. Um, and that was kind of, my junior year was when I had first started like with everyone using they, them pronouns. Like my sophomore year of college, I had started like a couple, I had been like asked a couple friends, like, hey, can you use they, them pronouns with me? I don't necessarily want to ask everyone to do that yet because I'm just like exploring and I'm not really sure. Um, but my junior year, I was like fully um, outwardly identifying as non-binary. Um, and it was kind of a freaky time um, because as like an actor, I was like, there are not non-binary roles that exist. I either have to like play male roles, which is like kind of uncomfortable, or I have to play female roles, which is more comfortable, but also like not quite my story. Um, and my all my professors were like super open about it. Like my first semester that I was identifying as non-binary, I had, we did Spring Awakening, um, which is kind of a rock and roll musical about um, essentially puberty and like sexual awakening of teenagers and it's like oh. takes place in like 1800s Germany um, uh, and I was like really pining for one of the there's two gay roles in the show that I was like really hoping for and I did not get either of them um, I still had a really wonderful role and the director was like super open about it I had like many conversations with her because I was just really uncomfortable portraying men and I had my freshman year um, I had done so many like scene studies where I was playing male roles and my professors were constantly like, you're just not masculine enough. You're just not straight passing enough. Like it's not working. Like we can tell that like the work is there and you're not, not talented, but like you are just like, it's not, you're not, it's not working. Like this whole like masculine thing isn't working. And I kind of started to realize like how toxic like masculinity felt in my body. Um, and that's when I, I, um, I had met my first, like, non-binary friend when I was in uh, my freshman year. And that was, like, my, the first time that I had realized, like, oh, like, I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, right, right, right. like, I remember, I remember, like, being, like, four or five years old and being, like, you know, I'm definitely, like, not a boy. Like, it's not, it's just not who I am. But I also was very aware that I was not a girl either. So I was, like, hey, I guess I'll stay here. <laughs> um, yeah. And so my freshman year, like, meeting other queer people was kind of an awakening of like, oh, I didn't realize that I could like, there were other options. And then my sophomore year, I really started to like, wonder about it. I call it the great gender crisis of 2016. Um, wow, yeah, it was catastrophic. Um, I, well, that was like, the first semester of my sophomore year was when I first started considering using they, them pronouns. Um, and I was, we were doing a unit in our, in our, in my acting class. Um, and we were working on um, plays from American realism. And me and a very, I uh, me and my best friend Jasmine um, uh, were scene partners, and we decided to do a scene from Streetcar Named Desire. And I, because I was like really determined, like I had had all these notes my previous year of like, here's how you can be more masculine on stage, and here are, here's how you can be more straight passing. Which now I recognize is like fuck that. Like I don't care if I'm straight passing. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't fucking matter. Right. But. I was like so determined. I was like, I am gonna be masculine on stage. So I decided to play Stanley, which is like Marlon Brando plays yeah. Stanley in the movie. So like, I was like, yes, I will do it. And it just didn't work. Like it just felt so gross in my body. Um, and I think I got a B on that scene. So like I apparently did okay, but like it just didn't feel good. And I, I oh my God, I remember um, there was like an exercise where again, my professor was like, it's, you're not, it's not, it's not yeah. working. Yeah. <laughs> so she had me get up on this table and she brought another of my peers up and she was like, you're just, she was like, she was like, you don't think that highly of Stella, um, who's um, Stanley's wife. And um, so she had me get up on this table and she was like, you're drunk with your buddy. She was like, so talk about how much you hate your wife to this man. So I was like standing on a table like holding an empty beer bottle being like, yeah, she's a whore. Like, it just like, it just wasn't working. 
And after that, I was like, okay, I need to, at least at the very least, the next scene I need to work, I, I work on needs to be a queer character at the very least. Um, and so that, like, that whole journey happened and it was just like, it was not working. I was like, I have loved acting and I've loved theater my whole life. Like, I started when I was eight years old and it's always been, like, my passion. And it was, like, really scary that I was like, it's not working. Like, what am I going to do? It's not working. Because so I felt like, okay, if I'm non-binary, that's great, but, like, then what does it mean for my acting career? Um, and then my junior year, um, it's the first year that you're in casting pool, so it was the first time I did, like, an official show at Cornish. Um, and so first semester I did Spring Awakening, and then second semester I took the burlesque class, um, and the the Spring Musical was Seussical, which is, like, a Dr. Seuss nice. um, musical, essentially, which is really fun. And so I kind of, like, discovered my my two loves, which could not, like, be more opposite. So, like, I was in, I was taking the neo burlesque class and was doing basically children's theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was, like, and I, I, I was cast as Maisie in Seussical, which is, like, this diva, um, bird. <laughs> She's just, like, the baddest bitch in, um... Any Dr. Seuss book. Yeah, um... So, I was playing Maisie, which, um, she's the diva of the show, and it was very fitting that I was in burlesque at the time, because I was, like, learning how to be a diva. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so, I was in the neo-burlesque class, and part of, so the first class, like I said, was, um, the first part of the class was lecture-based, and in the second half, you started to, um, develop your persona and develop an act. And then the, the big culmination was the big neo-burlesque showcase at the end of the semester. And I remember, um the teacher, Cherry Manhattan, um, talking about how, like, people always, at the beginning of class, the class were like, oh, well, like, I'll probably only, like, end up in, like, a, like, a bra and panties and, like, stockings. Like, that's as, that's as naked as I'll go. And that's kind of how I was. Like, I was not, I didn't like my body. I wasn't proud of my body. I didn't feel attractive. Um, because, like, I was n newly in this newly experiencing my body in a way that I hadn't before. Like, I had always been kind of uncomfortable with my body, but I didn't really understand why. And finally identifying as non-binary, I was like, oh, I, like, don't like the masculine parts of my body. Um, and so at the beginning of the class, I was that way. I was like, oh, but I'll probably, like, I'll probably be pretty, like, tasteful at the end of my act. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. she said that almost always by the end of the class, people, like, develop this love for their body and this appreciation for their body that they end up being more comfortable, and that's exactly what happened. I literally finished my act, like, completely naked. Like, I had a cock sock on at the end of the act and, like, covered it with a feather boa. Nice. And that was literally it. Um, to the point where she was like, you're wearing, you're, like, covering something, right? Like, I just had, like, the administration has to know that you're, like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so, I, like, I, I was working on these two projects simultaneously of the burlesque show and, um, Seussical, and a lot of my burlesque persona came out of, when I first started identifying as non-binary, I was on, like, all of the dating apps. I was on Tinder, I was on, right. like, Chappie, I think. I was on <laughs> Grindr, which is, like, hell on earth. Grindr is the worst really? thing in the world. Um, and I was, when I, I, like, noticed this difference. Like, when I was, first of all, when I first moved to Seattle and I had all these dating apps, like, I had short hair and was, like, pretty masked presenting, I guess you could say. Um, not really, but like more so than I am now, definitely. Sure. Yeah. And all these men were interested. And the second that I started identifying as more feminine, um, gay men suddenly were like... <laughs> yeah. And straight men started to like give me attention, but in this way that was like super gross and like constantly like, oh, well, we can go on a date if you're, like, done up in an address, or, like, if you, like, shave everything that there is. You were being fetishized. I was, I was very highly being fetishized, and so my burlesque persona came out of, like, that kind of idea of, like, I kept getting messages on Tinder and Grindr and, like, all these dating apps or DMs or whatever of men being super interested, but then, like, figuring out, like, oh, you have a dick, like, that's different, and I'm afraid of that, and, like, I feel uncomfortable because I was attracted to you, but now I know this thing, and so definitely not attracted to you because I'm totally straight, bro. Like, that was a thing that... Yeah, it's so was, fragile. Yeah, it was suddenly, like, really a big part of my existence, and I was so sick of it, and I was so sick of going on dates with men where I was, like, being fetishized and being, um... 
it was like I was on this date with I was on these dates that men were like I'm only interested in you if and so my burlesque persona came became a lot of like um Parker is very high femme high glam high diva but Parker is very proud of the genitals that they have and they will show you and they will surprise you <laughs> and so my first act I um I came out in like pink everything. Like I remember seeing the video. Pink wig, yeah. pink dress, everything. And it was like, I think I used um, Beyonce six inch heels. was like the first half of the act. And then halfway through, I tore the pink wig off and I had like blue, purple hair. Um, and I used um, Dude Looks Like a Lady um, as like the um, act. And it was just kind of this, it was the first time that I remember as a queer person being like, fuck all of you, this is who I am. And I'm proud of it, and I think it's hot, and I think it's sexy, and if you don't, I don't fucking care. And it was, I mean, my first act was kind of trash. Like, it, like looking back at it, like, I think you're, for your first time doing anything, you're like, Ugh. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I just, I have never felt more myself and more free than I, than I remember feeling creating that act. Um, and a lot of that crossed over into playing Maisie, and at, this, at the same time, it was so nice to be doing theater for young audiences in Susical and feeling like I was representing something that isn't represented in theater. And I was so excited to talk to the kids after the show. Um, and it just felt really gratifying to be like, even if one kid in this audience is sitting here and it's like, that person is like me. Like, that person represents something that I understand. Because I never had that growing up. I never saw something on stage that, like, made me realize, like, oh, all this, like, shit that's going on in my head that I don't feel like I have a vocabulary for um, that exists. And it, it was, like, it felt really good to be... Those worlds collided in a really nice way. Like I said, it's, like, this weird dichotomy of, like... I want to do children's theater, and I want to do burlesque. Yeah. <laughs> and like, how do I how do I balance that? Um, but I remember like having so many discussions with the director of Susical, who is this like brilliant director. And most of the people that I got, most of the directors and professors that I got to work with at Cornish were just like so open and so brilliant. And it just felt so good to like be around artists who didn't necessarily know what to do with a non-binary actor, but we're so open to, like, figuring it out and, like, taking that step with me. Like, all of my teachers, when I was like, hey, I don't, I don't know where I fit. Like, what do I do as a non-binary person in theater? Like, do I just swallow my pride and, like, play male roles for the rest of my life, even though, like, that feels kind of gross? Or do I, like, really try and pass as a woman and play female roles? Like, what do I do? And... Um, I kind of got handed these two opportunities at the same time of, like, taking the burlesque class where, I mean, burlesque, anything is possible. Like, even, I've seen burlesque that, like, I am not into. Like, I am not into it. But I can respect and, like, feel an intense joy for, like, that person on stage is so proud of what they're doing and is so proud of their body and feels <coughs> sexy and feels no shame in what they're doing. And whether or not it's something that I am personally into, it's just a really beautiful thing to watch. Oh, yeah. It's like music. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't have to love this, but you love it, so I love it too. Um, and then this opportunity to play Maisie was like, I was so shocked when I got the role. Like, I was so sure that I was going to get stuck in, like, oh, being a Wickersham brother or, like, some male role. And... I remember in my audition, the director being like, can you do things in heels? And I was like, I love heels. Like, put me in heels. And I was like, oh my god, am I going to get fucking fancy? <laughs> and it happened, and I was so excited. I mean, my costume was like... The, the costuming for Sioux School was really great. Sioux School is a huge show. It's like meant to be done with like 20 people, and we did it with a cast of 10. Um, so everyone played a lot of roles. I was Maisie, but I was also um, Yertle the Turtle. <laughs> um, and so we all had this, these costumes that were like, we called our Susie and Bass, which was um, just kind of like 
a, a mess of different black and white patterns. And then we had like accent costumes that we put on. And my Macy costume, I had this huge like bustle that had like blue and green and sparkly tulle and feathers. And I had this corset that was like special made for me. And it was the first time I remember like being in a costume fitting and feeling like, holy shit, I feel comfortable in this. Like I feel, I feel really excited to play this role and I feel like I don't have to compromise my own identity to play this role. And that was really, really fun. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, I got into Berlin. <laughs> it's quite a journey. <laughs> That's so amazing. Honestly, kind of speechless, like just how much you had to go through to feel comfortable in, mm -hmm. like, not only your. It's one thing to be comfortable in your identity, but comfortable in how your identity translates to the kind of artistry you were doing yeah and how it's being absorbed by an audience yeah because you know i couldn't imagine you know it's like if you don't even identify as a man mm -hmm. being expected to play male roles mm -hmm. based on what you were biologically assigned at birth it's yeah. like you know i mean that can be that can be like a really i mean that's just a really oppressive concept you know so it's like really happy that you were able to find a niche in it where that you connected with mm -hmm. and that kind of what you were saying with burlesque is that it can be anything it's just all about someone feeling good mm -hmm. about themselves because no matter what your gender is everyone is like expected to look a certain way based on beauty standards yeah. I mean, for one, like, men don't talk enough about how beauty standards are imposed on them to, like, be all muscular and, you know, have a six-pack and have, like, you know, look like, you know, a, a fucking, like, model with all this toning and everything. And it's, like, even with them, it's, like, they're expected to have this, like, masculinity. Even if it's, you know, it's, it's a masculinity that they don't identify with. For one, I don't identify with that, you know? I'm not ripped. I'm, I don't, like, you know, it's like, I don't want, I don't, that's it, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything to me. You know, it, it did for a while because what I thought should have meant something to yeah. me, but it just, after, after a while, it just didn't. And, mm -hmm. like, and that goes for, of course, like, a hundred per fucking cent. It goes for women with, like, how they should look, you know, like, how skinny they should be yeah. or, like, where their curves should be. Like, you know, fuck it. Like, models or, you know, burlesque performers or just anything that, you know, like, embraces the body. It should be something for anybody. I mean, I know somebody who does burlesque that combines horror mm -hmm. elements with burlesque yeah. and, like... And she's a f huge uh, fat liberation activist as well. And she is, like, super into combining an imagery that, in her words, she puts it as, like, you uh, don't know whether or not you're going to be turned on or freaked out. And it's That's <laughs> one of my favorite things about burlesque. It's yeah. like you don't know what to expect. Yeah. It can be literally anything. And I think the confidence alone in that is sexy as hell. Oh, absolutely. And it is, it's one of the most body positive communities I've ever been a part of. Like, part of the reason I didn't like my body when I started doing burlesque was because it felt very masculine. Another part was because I'm not like a skinny, like perfectly shaped person. And... And burlesque, it's like, I remember the TA of my class being like, if you have some some flab, that's just easier to shimmy. It's like more that's going to shake when you shimmy. And I remember being like, fuck yeah. Like, yeah. who the hell cares? Like, my body is what it is. And we, it's, our body is what we have to carry ourselves through the world. It's what we have to, like, share who we are and share our story. And if we can't at least, like, the very least, like, have an appreciation for our body, no matter what shape, form, gender it is, like, what do, what do we have if we don't at least have that? Right. I was, like, even, even with, like, who you consider yourself attracted to, you know, like, physical attributes you find attractive to, 
I've always been like, I'm very attracted to folks that are, you know, a little bigger. Um, and I was shamed by both my men and women friends for that. Like, they're like, oh, she's not pretty. Or like, oh, like, you could do better. I'm like, fuck that. Yeah, no, like, I was, like seriously, fuck that. And it's like, and it's like, and, you know, people, when I would tell people that, they'd be like, oh, I mean, I mean, you could think of it as, like, it's more to grab onto. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, it's exactly. like, and it's like, so I'm, you know, it doesn't, like, matter your, sh- your size, your mm-hmm. shape, yeah. you know, like, what, you know, it's like you, it's, it's all a spectrum. Yeah. You know, your sexuality is a spectrum, your gender is a spectrum, it's... Fuck labels of fuck any lab- kind. Yeah, fuck this and fuck the binary of, yeah. of all that shit. It's just, yeah, I mean, burle- the thing, I, the, the biggest thing I learned in burlesque is, like, my own ability to take up space, which is something I struggle with every day, like, how much space am I comfortable taking up? And I had a teacher my freshman year that even, he's one of the teachers who, like, really pounded into, like, my existence of, like, you're not straight passing, you're not masculine enough. But once I came out as non-binary, I remember having a conversation with him where he was like, you just need to take up the fucking space. Like, that is the note that he gave me, like, again and again, was like, take up the fucking space. No matter what you're doing, just own the space that you have. Like, you don't have to make yourself smaller. Right. You don't have to hide. You can be unabashedly and proudly and hugely yourself and as long as you're not like dimming other people's light in the process like take up as much space as you fucking need to and that goes for any more yeah community no matter what you're doing yeah yeah like you know if this is something that has directly profoundly affected you Mm -hmm. and how you have felt safe yeah and how you have felt like you know you belong somewhere by all fucking means, take up that goddamn space, you know? Yeah. Like, that's what that's... The space has been waiting for you this whole time. That space has been here for you. It's been reserved for you. Yeah. But, you know, people are going to try to take your seat. Mm-hmm. But that's where you tell them to... You know, you either tell them to sit down or you go tell them to kick rocks. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. like, so... Um, yeah, so I'm really proud of you. You know, I can only imagine, like, it's a, it's almost like a crisis that you're describing, you know, of, like, you know, what the fuck am I doing? Like, where is my placement in this? Mm-hmm. Um, especially in such, like, a gendered profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's, it's interesting to me that it is such a gendered profession, yeah. because theater... I mean, it's like a stereotype that if you're in theater, you're automatically... If, if you're male or uh, masculine presenting any way that if you are in theater, you're gay. But at the same time, if you look at Broadway, nary a queer role. Like, <laughs> I went to high school with plenty of dudes that didn't identify as gay that yeah. were in theater. You yeah, know? It's, it's like, just like, it's, it's one of those communities where it is so okay to be queer, but we don't get to tell queer stories. Mm-hmm. We're yeah, not, we're not right. telling queer stories. And right. I think that's where burlesque, I feel like I have an opportunity to not only tell stories, but to tell my own story. And that's been like the goal of the burlesque troupe that me and a couple of friends have started is like, how do we tell stories, but tell stories in a way that we're putting queer bodies on stage and putting bodies on stage that we don't see and telling mm-hmm. stories that we don't, here, but stories that are just as valid and just as important. So, that be, yeah, tell me a little bit about the troupe that you started. Yeah, so um, for the part, a part of the theater program at Cornish, um, a lot like really any program in general, is you have to do like a senior thesis. Um, I did two. Um, again, I worked in a children's theater. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I right. did a burlesque yeah. show. Um, but so we. Um, me and um, a couple of friends, um, myself, Parker Peacock, um, my friend Jasmine Flora, who also goes by Lola California, as her burlesque name, um, nice. my friend Shannon, who is um, Betty Sugar, um, <laughs> and um, nice. then my best friend in the entire world, Leilani Bostar, who is our director, 
Um, and then we also recently added to our troupe um, Michaela, who goes by a Scarlet Folds. We did a burlesque adaption of Peter Pan. Um, and something that's cool about any story or anything that's in the public domain, so that's like Peter Pan is in the public domain, The Wizard of Oz is in the public domain, Alice in Wonderland, anything Shakespeare, public domain. You can do whatever you want with it. You don't have to pay for the rights. So it's kind of a cool opportunity, especially for broke theater groups like the Dirty Darlings, which is our burlesque troupe. Um, <laughs> nice. You can do cool things and not have to worry about paying for the rights. So we did Peter Pan, um, and we queered the hell out of Peter Pan. I mean, first of all, I was playing Wendy, so that in and of itself was pretty queer. Um, Scarlet Folds played Captain Hook um, as like a leather queen dominatrix. Nice. Everyone in Neverland has fucked Captain Hook. Peter, Cap, we made Captain Hook not necessarily a villain. We made Captain Hook like, we took the idea of Captain Hook being like this villain and kind of turned it into like, um, just the dominatrix style of like sure. something that's like considered bad but like at the end of the day it's not and we, we wanted to look at the concept of like ne the idea of Neverland is that like it's like this maintaining of innocence and we wanted to flip it on its head and be like what if instead of worrying about like shielding kids and um, protecting them from anything like taboo. What if we made Neverland this land where anything is possible? Um, so we started the show with Wendy. Um, my first act was Wendy playing dress up and her parents coming in and being like, no, you can't do that. That's like so shameful. And how dare you like do this like somewhat sexy thing. And then Peter comes in and um, Tinkerbell come in and do this burlesque act and Wendy is like, holy shit, I love this. Like, please take me to your like land and show me the world. And so Neverland became this place of, rather than trying to maintain innocence, it became this place of just like shame-free queerness, kink, any kink is fine. Like, just like a place where everything is fine and everything is beautiful and everything is loved. Um, so... Um, we went from, like, my first act where Wendy's, like, playing dress-up and is, like, shamed for doing that to the very end of, um, the first act, Wendy has her first orgasm. <laughs> like, oh, Wendy, gosh. like, fingers herself for the first time and is like, whoa, like, this is incredible. And, um, and we, we, like, wanted to make sure that it was all very clearly consensual. So, like, the whole first act of the show was Wendy witnessing all of these different stories of Tinkerbell um, had this scene that we called Cannabis Cove where like Tinkerbell is like feeling herself and just like smoking a joint and enjoying herself and then Captain Hook comes in and has this act where he's like spanking Peter Pan and like um, putting a, a ball gag in Tinkerbell's mouth and like just Wendy like witnessing this and being like holy shit like this is incredible um, to the point where, in the end of our story, um, Wendy takes over Neverland, and Peter Pan, who has lived in Neverland forever, goes back and is like, I wanna, I wanna have a childhood. So he, like, goes back, and, um, and takes Wendy's place, like, pixie dust magic, like, on the parents, yeah, so they don't notice yeah. the difference, kind of thing. <laughs> um, but, so we just kind of, like, we were like, how can we take stories and queer them? And that's kind of our goal as a burlesque troupe, is to create these narrative burlesque stories because the majority, with the exception of Betty Sugar, all of us are queer in this burlesque troupe. And we were like, how can we take stories and flip them on their head and make them queer and put queer bodies on stage and put um, bodies of all kinds on stage? And how can we create this world where people who want to tell stories can still tell stories, but in a way that, like allows them the freedom to be who they are and burlesque allows anyone the freedom to be who they are so we were like so that's kind of how our burlesque group came to be is we just want to continually do these like narrative burlesque stories which is kind of tricky because burlesque is kind of nonverbal and there's just loud music playing and when we first showed Cher cherry manhattan was our um um for every student thesis project you had to have like a, a faculty mentor 
and Cherry Manhattan was ours, and she's the teacher of the burlesque class, as well as just like an incredible, brilliant. Shout out to Cherry. Cherry Manhattan, we love you. Um, she has, I mean, she's really taken us under our under her wing. Um, we're producing a show in January, and she's totally just like helping. I mean, it's our first official show as like a troupe. Like we did. Pixie Dustin Pasties, which was the Peter Pan, um, and she was our faculty mentor. And I mean, she gave us some brutal notes. Like a week before the show, we showed her our final run of the show, and our show was like 90 minutes long, um, and was supposed to tell the story of Peter Pan, but through burlesque acts. And at the time, it was nonverbal. And we sat down with her after our first run through, and she went, um, that was great, except I'm not getting any of the story. <laughs> and we were like, Fuck. So she was like, you either need to have a host that is gonna like, kind of lead the story along, or one of you need, or you need to add a script. And this was, mind you, this was a week before we opened. <laughs> yeah, damn. So we were like, fuck. So we, what well, we decided, we didn't want to have a host because we didn't want it to feel like a variety show. We wanted it to be very much like a show that you were seeing that had a story. So we decided that Peter Pan, which played by Betty Sugar, um, would narrate kind of. So kind of in between acts, um, Peter Pan would kind of step forward, and our director Leilani like came up with a script like that. Like she read the original. We we had all read the original um, Peter Pan story, which by the way is much darker than um, the, Disney makes it than, out to be. Yeah, um, which is kind of delightful for burlesque because right. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so she like went home that night, and like by the morning she had like sent us a script that like mostly was Peter Pan narrating and kind of just leading the story along. Um, which made a huge difference. Um, and Cherry automa automatically was like, this is so much better. Like, I now understand the story. But she was, beforehand, she was like, I recognize that you guys are a week from opening, and, like, this is scary, but she was like, you must do some work because the story is just not being portrayed. Like, these are great burlesque acts, but, like, apart from that, like, I'm not getting the story of Peter Pan, and I'm not understanding the concept that you're trying to tell me. Um, which was kind of, like as scary as it was to be like a week from opening our senior thesis project um, and like suddenly being like, we're going to add a whole script. <laughs> um, but it, it was incredible. And it was one of those experiences where like we definitely bit off more than we can chew and just like had to chew it anyways. Yeah. Um, I learned so much doing that and I feel so much more prepared going into our next show. Um, and that, that's, that's what we want to do is we just want to tell stories but using this genre that all of us have found that gives us the space as creators and actors because all of us still want to be actors like I still want to do theater but burlesque is a place where I feel like I don't have to submit or um, I guess like sacrifice my own identity yeah you don't have to conform right yeah so it's a place where we can tell whatever story we fucking want. Yeah. And so we want, we really want to do, um, Lola California is really committed to doing like, kind of like a sex club almost, like a, like a kink sex party night where you can kind of like go and it's like kind of create your own adventure and you go throughout like the space and, um, like experience what like, an, uh, like a kinky sex club might be. And we really want to do something with like Greek mythology. And like, we just want to, Burlesque is like a narrative art form is something that is kind of up and coming in Seattle. There's a company that does, um, I want to say the Nutcracker, but also they do Alice in Wonderland, Alice Through the Looking Glass every year. Um, so it's kind of this like new genre that's kind of up and coming is like, burlesque for a long time has been like variety shows and like single acts. Um, but it's kind of a newer thing that it's become like, hey, we can this is like just as valid of an art form and we can tell entire stories through this genre as well. Um, so it's kind of a, what we want to do. Um, because like I said, we're all queer people who are like, yes, I still want to be in theater and I still want to do like big musicals and flashy shows. And like, I want to do that, but I also want to tell my own story. Yeah. Um, totally. So that's kind of, where we're at. Yeah, for sure. Where did uh, you come up with the name Parker Peacock? Um, Parker has always been a name that I have enjoyed. I don't know why necessarily. It's just always been a name that, like, like when I was little, I was like, if I ever have kids, I'll name them Parker because it's like 
be a boy name or a girl name. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it kind of became like, oh, well, that's kind of per... And then I... I, I've always loved Peacocks. The, the song Peacock by Katy Perry is like one of those songs that I've always loved. Um, and also just like, I really, I like I said, when I first started this persona, it was, a, it was kind of this persona was a big fuck you to straight men who kept fetishizing, fetishizing me. Um, so it was kind of a way to be like, you think I'm very feminine, which I am. And I, I am this like feminine person and, but also, I have a cock. <laughs> like, that's just, that's just what it is. Um, so it kind of became, like, kind of this big, like, melting pot of, like, different reasons of, um, and also, like, the alliteration of Parker and Peacock worked really well, so that's kind of how I came up with that, yeah. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. Well, um, so I know that you're living in Milwaukee, obviously, so, and are they all back? They're all back in Seattle, yes. So... <sighs> Um, I guess moving forward, um, I guess, like, uh, what are your goals with, like, reconnecting with the troupe? So we have a show coming up in January. Um, it's um, kind of our coming out as a burlesque troupe. Um, Cherry Manhattan, our mentor, is graciously hosting for us. We're very excited nice. about that. We have some really great um, um, featured artists as well that are doing the show. We're real. I mean, it's kind of our first opportunity to make some money. We're not really sure if we will because it was really important to us that we pay our performers for this performance, yeah. um, which is directly coming from our own pockets. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're hoping that, like, with ticket sales, we at least break even. And the goal is to at least make a little bit of money that we can like start a bank account for our yeah. our troop. Um, but yeah, so we're really excited. It's, in, it's the end of January. It's um, the it's a debutante ball. It's kind of a coming out um, ball, and we're we're we wanted to give the opportunity to like newer burlesque artists um, to to have kind of their first show. Um, so a lot of the actually I think every single one of our performers is is an alum of Cherry Manhattan's neo burlesque class at Cornish. Um, so that's really exciting, um, and. Yeah, so we have that show at the end of January, um, and it's kind of this, like, the theme is, like, the debutante ball, so it's kind of, like, this theme of um, prim and proper, like, ladies, but we're kind of flipping on its head as, like, um, we try and be prim and proper, but we're just not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and we, have our, we actually have the photo shoot for our poster next weekend. I'm flying out to Seattle for that next weekend. That's exciting. Um, I'm very excited to nice. see everyone. I've been like FaceTiming in for all of our meetings, <laughs> which has been really interesting because we all, they, I mean, all my, my um, cohort gets off at like 8 p.m. from work. So we're meeting at like 8 p.m., which is like 10 p.m. here. <laughs> right, <laughs> so that's yeah. been interesting. But um, yeah, it's been really exciting and I'm not really sure how long I'll be in Milwaukee, probably for a, a good long while at this point. So I'm at this point just planning to fly out um, to Seattle for any shows and events that we have. Luckily, my mother works in the travel industry, so I can get pretty cheap flights that way. Um, so that works out nicely. Um, but yeah, we're really excited to um, kind of get the ball rolling and see where we can go as a troupe and as a, as a company. and. We just, we really just want to tell queer stories, and... Oh, hey, yeah, that Cosmopolitan. Yeah, it's really hitting me. Look at really how, look at how red, I'm pink. I look, I look like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Well, uh, Casey Parker Peacock. Yes. This is a wonderful conversation about the, the, the beauty of burlesque, um... And specifically, like, your journey, your odyssey through it in challenging the norms within like roles and mm -hmm. like kind of where your placement is, is, yeah. you know, it is very inspiring and I'm very proud of you, Thank you. for undergoing such mm -hmm. the, such the, such the journey in uh, defying what the fuck is expected of you. <laughs> so I ask Casey, what keeps you up at night? So much. Um, <laughs> Overthinking things, you know, overthinking things I said that day, overthinking right. things I said in middle school. Right, that <laughs> thing you did in fourth grade. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, just thinking about things that don't need to be overanalyzed at 10 yeah. p.m. Like, that's, that's pretty much <laughs> what keeps me. <laughs> yeah, ditto, yeah. What puts you to sleep, though? 
Um, you know, a combination of a good book, maybe, maybe an edible. <laughs> the edibles. Oh, yeah. Right, right, we, right, yeah. We really do love it. Um, and <laughs> I have been doing a lot of guided meditations to get me to sleep recently. Guided meditations. We love it. We really do. We love all of it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a thing. That's a big thing. Yes. Yeah, well, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I had a great time. Me as well. Gonna drink some water. Oh. <laughs> I must yes. before driving. So think about uh, in terms of burlesque, in terms of body positivity, what connects with I, you? I think it's a cool exploration you can have with like what looks or what routines or just like kind of just like what art form you can manipulate with your body in a way that helps you find the beauty in it. Because God knows that a lot of us are victims of societal manipulation of beauty. Absolutely. So, fuck that. Take up the fucking space. It's important. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.